0: Welcome to another episode of Running Greenleaf. Today, we are going through the residential market, what we're seeing in our apartment and mobile home communities. So we also have our updates on distributions and what the end of the quarter look like. So we're excited to get started and and go through things here. Okay, so we're going to start with distributions. This one is kind of always the, the focus of our end of quarter, right? And apartments, we're going to touch base just on kind of how the year went and how things wrapped up. But in general, we had the majority of our mobile homes that are making distributions and then about a third of our apartment communities that are making distributions as well, mostly stuff that's on our uh, in-town Memorial Drive area in Atlanta. Our other apartments, which we have some stuff that's up in Gainesville, Georgia. We have stuff in North Atlanta, our Chattanooga uh, apartments and still Charlotte. Uh, those ones are not making distributions. We're going to go into the reasons behind uh, what's going on there. So,
1: yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and start with like let's talk about what's working what's going well. You know, our the business focus historically and continues to be is retention. You know, Ed, our our year to date retention for twenty twenty three was was seventy percent compared to a market. You know, we did a lot of research on the market and. It's interesting to see, like in general, retention is around 50% for the market across all asset classes in multifamily. But in what, they're, what we're seeing in the market happen is that Class C multifamily is, retention is rising because of the cost of moving is becoming less and less affordable.
0: Yeah, we saw that at like 65%. And again, there's not tremendous data on kind of like, how's the market going? And people's definition of Class A, B, or C is, is vastly different sometimes, but the information we could see is, is that uh, more affordable units, class B, lower, class C, are seeing retention that's in the 60% range because cost of moving is prohibitive uh, for most people, especially uh, if they look at new rents versus renewal rents. And that's something that we do too. You know, Our renewal rents increases are much lower than a, than a new unit rent. Right, right? exactly. That's coming out. And-
1: and what, let's talk about what, you know, why is retention so important. We talk about this every quarter. It's, you know, it, it's, it's just so valuable to our company because it, it, retention ties into not only is it a measure of quality and affordability and service, but it's also, it really gauges on really how much money we're going to be spending. If we have a ton of turnover, we need more staff. Yeah. We, need, we need more people leasing. We need more, people, more maintenance people. We need more materials. We need more vendors. Um, if we have less turnover, we need less of those things. So overall, compared to the market, with our retention being higher, that we found that our, our increase of expenses we're actually, were actually beating the market with over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, we, we feel very good about that, and that's what we've been focusing on the whole time. So it's working, and we're doing better uh, than the market is on our retention rates. Uh, yeah. Other things that that help with, helps with is you look at retention. That means we're going to have residents that have been at a community longer, And the longer that people are at a community and the more they know each other, the safer that community becomes, right? right? Uh, So our average lease term now is 42 months. Uh, So that means we have, uh, you know, people that have been there almost four years on average in our communities. So we feel like that's an indication that uh, we are priced appropriately and performing well on the communities that uh, that we do have. So how does higher retention
1: impact our, our really our revenue?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, if you think about uh, our revenue rates, our re- high retention, our renewals are based on uh, a rate that people will stay. So we may have between 3 or 4%, 5% increases on renewals, right? But that means we're not going to have a lot of new resident fee income Uh, from a new move in like a pet fee or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, Whereas a new lease, so that's 70% as a renewal. A new lease is going to, that 30% chunk is going to have a much more significant rental rate increase on those units. So we think about uh, our overall blend this end of the fourth quarter. And then for the total of 2023, our revenues were up 6.3%. So from 2022 to 2023, our overall revenues are up 6.3 percent, but that's a blend. That's an increase on renewals, and then it's an increase on new leases that are coming in uh, to the portfolio. And what we saw was between three and five percent increases on renewals, and we saw 12 to 14 percent increases on new leases. So when someone leaves, we're able to re-rent that unit for 12 to 14 percent more, uh, is what we saw on average. For the year and blended together, that generates just over 6% uh, revenue increase for the year. Now, market wise, that's, that's well ahead of what market information was that we could find. Yeah, just about all the
1: market information they, they saw that really the Southeast and the South saw about flat rental growth <coughs> for the year or two, maybe a little bit down, specifically in the Class A part of the market because. Um, looking at the data, 2023 was the largest development year since the mid-1980s. 565,000 units were delivered in 2023. So you, they saw, the market saw some softening kind of on the top end of the market. Um, but, I mean, overall, it was fairly flat. Um, there, there was some rental increases. Uh, on you know, Some of the stronger markets that we operate in were um, where Chattanooga uh, from a market level saw 7% to 8% rental growth. Um, but overall, you know, where we are, um, that, you know, the market saw pretty flat growth.
0: Yeah. So that, and that's, they're talking, the market information is talking about new rental rates so that when we're seeing 12 to 14% rental rate increases on new leases on turnover, uh, the market was essentially flat. Mm-hmm. Chattanooga saw 7%, but that was second highest in the country behind yeah, New York. Absolutely. On the information that, that we could find. And, and, uh, We'll post on the links that we have for where we where we get our information. But uh, yeah, so we're we're very pleased with the revenue gains that we've been able to generate. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about revenue versus rent. Right. So rent gains in a lot of what reported is the change in the asking rental price from one period to another. So if you're asking, say, twelve hundred bucks for a two bedroom apartment, and then the next quarter, you change that and you're up twelve hundred and is the asking price. That $50 increase, that's what people in kind of the industry analyst roles are looking at and saying, that's how much rental rates increased. We look at that part too, but we really look at how much did overall revenue increase, which is just collected. Doesn't necessarily matter what you're charging or what you're asking. It's more, what did you collect? So we look at revenue as our number for for what we're assessing. And that's our number that we said went up 6.3%. So-
1: yeah, so so to build on to really what's working well is let's talk about our debt for a little bit. You know, our, our philosophy with debt is buy a property, renovate the property, stabilize the property, and refi a long-term fixed debt as quickly as possible. And you know, we we did a, give or take four thousand apartment units over the last ten years, and that was really our mo. Um, over and over and over again. So almost all all of our apartment buildings that we have are, are long term fixed debt, and all but really one of our mobile home parks is on long term fixed debt. So going into twenty twenty four, you know with these with these rental um, or with these interest rate increases, uh, we we only have one small, relatively small, very small mobile home park that's that debt is coming due, and we're negotiating with the lender um, to renew. But overall, um, we all of our apartment debt is fixed till. 2026,
0: 2028. And that lender is a local community bank. So that's not a Fannie or Freddie or agency loan that we have coming due. It's also relatively. Very small. It's less than a couple hundred hundred thousand dollars. 2% of our overall debt, uh, you know, on our stuff. It's, so it's pretty small. But, and we have nothing coming due next year. Right. So everything we have is long-term fixed rate, you know, done when interest rates were pretty darn good overall. And that's been our strategy. Is what it was always like, how do we lock in long term fixed rate debt? So most of our loans we're looking at are coming into like the twenty seven, two thousand twenty seven, two thousand twenty eight uh, range. Right. Right. So, exactly. so we feel very good with that strategy. That's that's a little bit of why that we're in the position we're at, where we are holding. Uh, some of our assets here, mainly the the portfolio we have left. So we want to talk a little bit now about what's not working or what we're really seeing in the market that's impacting uh, how these deals are performing. Obviously, we would like to have, uh, our goal is to create quarterly distributions and and generate passive income, and we would love to see distributions on everything, Uh, but it doesn't always tie out that way. And, And when we think about what's not working, what's really driven us kind of at the end of the year is... Margin compression, and we 'll go into the specifics of, of how that uh, how that has played out, but Q four is where we always see our taxes and insurance numbers finalized for the year we 're forecasting what we expect them to be throughout the year, and we reserve for those numbers if you 've been with us a while you know we 're reserving for taxes, insurance, and operating costs, and as those go up, the reserve thresholds that we must target. For our deals where we feel like we're in a healthy financial position on our balance sheet, that number increases uh, to coincide with what our costs are going to be on the materials, OPEX side, uh, taxes, and insurance. So we forecast for that for the year. And by paying our taxes and insurance at the end of the year, we kind of get our real numbers. And when those came in higher, uh, not only do we have to use our reserves, but it also triggers us to have a higher reserve threshold that we need to reach. So we have a couple deals, and this is out in all this. The very specifics are out in each deal's financial performance. That there's good money on the balance sheets. It's just we paid out more in taxes and insurance, and then therefore also increased our reserves. So it's kind of a little bit of a double whammy on that when we look at uh, our distribution calculations. But let's let's kind of dive into the actual specifics of of what that means. So. Yeah.
1: And, and, and philosophically, we talked about, you know, with the portfolio that we still have in our apartments, we've, we've sold about 75% of what we've bought and we have about 25% still left. And the philosophy on why do we keep holding these is that we continue to see rental rate growth. We continue to see market margin expansion. And our discussion with, all of you has, has been, you know, if that were to change, we would look to basically unload, you know, unload these properties. So this is really, you know, one of the first quarters that we've seen that we're still seeing rental rate growth, but we're seeing expense growth really outpace that Um, specifically in taxes and insurance. But, you know, talking about, you know, materials as well, you know, materials year over year, we're up 34%. And, you know, we, we, we have a highly trained staff. We've been in this business for, you know, about 15 years now. And um, our average tenure with our apartment employees is, is pushing right out five years. So our teams know how to efficiently do things w- well from a cost standpoint. And they also understand our philosophy of doing business, which is basically strap on a tool belt, and let's get it done. So um, we're, we're always looking to basically, how do we do things in house? How do we basically not pay a trade vendor that's right now, prices are through the roof and do things internally. So I, I You know, overall, our our approach is working and we are beating the market, but we are still being impacted by cost increases.
0: Yeah, overall operating costs uh, on information we were able to find rose about 28% in 2023. So uh, operating all apartments got more expensive and the market, again, the market we were talking about had flat revenue growth. So flat revenue growth with 28% increase in expenses is not the margin direction you wanna see things happening. But we, on the other hand, we had over 6% revenue growth and our overall expenses were up 23%. That's what our, and we knew we were gonna see some expense growth this year. So it wasn't like we were expecting zero and we got 23% overall. But uh, that 23% increase, we start looking at things on a per unit basis. Our, our taxes are now on average $1,300 a unit they were up thirteen uh, percent per unit this year. Our insurance is around six hundred a unit, and that's up twenty three percent.
1: Well, let's so year. when we started in the business, really until let's just say give or take twenty fifteen, insurance was kind of a flat number 250 at two fifty a, a unit. Yep, and taxes in general, depending on where you're buying, but in general, they ran three to five hundred dollars a unit. So both of those are up two to three x, you know, in yeah, that's just now and.
0: If we look at, uh, and then to wrap that up, materials was up 34%. So uh, almost $1,300 a unit is what we're seeing. But we look at underwriting for new deals that are happening in the market. And insurance, you know, a lot of insurance is coming out at 1100 a unit, $1,200 a unit. So there's a lot of insurance growth still out there and taxes as well. As, you know, valuations went up significantly over the past, you know, two, three years right now and municipalities are, are raising their assessed values and which, which coincide with market increases. And then that also raises the amount that you've got to insure. So it, it's kind of like feeds into itself um, on those. So those those couple of things where we see large percentage increases, uh, you have to have revenue growth that, that offsets that. And overall, just taxes and insurance you know, if you mentioned taxes are up 13%, insurance is up 23%, but in real dollars, we need a 4.7% increase in revenue, dollars dollars in, pure dollars in, to cover those increases. So that means when we look at 2024, we put our budgets, like, okay, we need a minimum of 4.5% revenue growth to make up for the taxes and insurance margin compression. If we add in materials to that, uh, we're going to be just under eight percent that we have to add to revenue to make sure that our margins stay the same. Uh, so, end of twenty twenty three, our operating margin is definitely contracted, and that is why we have some of these deals that are that are not making distributions. We look forward going into twenty twenty four. We need we need to see revenue growth, really rental rate increases that are going to hit eight percent to keep up with costs that we saw from 2023. Now that doesn't include, you know, what's going to happen in 2024 and where are these uh, costs and insurance and taxes going to be in 2024. So we're really aiming for even higher revenue growth. We think about the market as a whole, uh, there's going to be increases in rental rates. There there almost has to be, unless you're going to have um, operators go more underwater and subsidize, you know, more of the rent by taking on losses. We were we were in a position that our debt was all fixed. So when we talk about what was working, all fixed rate debt, we didn't have that cost. But some people had interest rates that went to seven, eight, 9% on floating rate debt and their cost of debt doubled. So their margin compression outside of operating costs was, was significantly larger. Right. And so. Fain and Freddie are still doing
1: really, really well on subsidizing the market, meaning that, we, you know, you can still get a ten-year fixed-rate loan for about give or take two hundred basis points over the ten-year Treasury, so six percent. And is you can normally get at least five years interest only. So you basically your carry cost for five years are only six percent. It's very healthy compared to the commercial market that we've seen yeah. a very different, you know, very different results in. Yeah. So there still is plenty of opportunity to basically invest in these and and basically create some create some
0: cash flow. Yeah, but we see opportunity-wise, you know. Our take on this is that, you know, we did see margin compression. If that continues, right, it's either a situation where there's going to be some great buying opportunities because there'll be, there'll be positions not only on OPEX but including debt as well where they have to be exited or something has to happen. We're starting to see a few deals that are already coming, coming out to market in early 2024 that are retrading below what they were purchased at only 18 months ago. Um, so we're starting to see some discounts on deals. Maybe that trickles into us being able to buy them. We've been optimistic or saying that we expected this to happen for years, but that's kind of the, you keep saying something, eventually eventually, you're right. <laughs> eventually I don't I'm know if right. that <laughs> should be our strategy, but, but you feel like uh, operating margins, go, you know, contracting that much are going to make it challenging. Well, so, one of my
1: favorite quotes I heard recently was, I, I predicted 10 of the last two recessions.
0: 10 of the last two, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that sounds about right. <laughs> so... <laughs> So th- that's where we're at on the operating margin. Like we got a lot of things that are going in the right direction and we got some stuff that's that's some definite headwinds that we are facing that's in the multifamily space as a whole. Uh, we feel good with our retention. We feel good with our ability to add revenue gains. We feel good being in our affordable price versus, versus class A. We think there's a little more stickiness there and longer term residents. So overall, we're going to look at the next, you know, first quarter and second quarter of 2024 and really assess what these margins are looking like at that point to dictate our investment decisions, whether we're going to add or, or uh, sell some units right. in, in, into our portfolio here. Yep. So, okay, so another part we want to talk about is just opportunities and some of the redevelopment stuff that, uh, that we have in the works right now.
1: Um, well, so some of the redevelopment is pure, scrape it down, and build up new. Some of the redevelopment is like Kingstown, right? It's like it's almost like a, 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 just a rejuvenation of the property that we've already owned for a long time. Yeah. And we'll be seeing. You know, we've been doing that on Kingstown. That we bought this as kind of a very much a class C affordable rate housing unit that um rents were we were targeting eight to nine hundred dollars, and and the market really leapfrogged us. And so we're going back and renovating all the units, and we're getting yeah. rental rates closer yeah. to thirteen hundred. Yeah, and
0: we're only doing that as someone. Moves out. So if you've got 70% retention, you've got people that have been there, you know, on average four years, there's not a whole lot of them that you're turning over, but we're doing that turnover uh, basically one at a time at a cash flow. So every quarter, you know, we're we're able to turn a unit or two, and that kind of utilizes our cash flow from that quarter.
1: Yeah, so a property like that doesn't make any distributions, but we were creating a ton of value by increasing our rates by give or take
0: you know, 40, 50%.
1: Yeah. And so you know, in, in the upcoming future, in the next, call it 12, 24 months, we'll see the same opportunity at Saddle Creek, which is our affordable housing property in Alpharetta, that the, the rent restrictions expire. And we'll be able to go unit by unit and take rental rates from, right now we're restricted to around 1,000, 1,100, and the market is over 2,000. So not necessarily that we're going to go chase that 2000 number, but we can easily go chase 1500, 1800 and um, be in a really good position there unit by unit.
0: Yeah. And that's going to require, you know, a tenant that does not renew. And then a situation where we have one unit at a time that we're able to renovate and do, and do that one unit. It's not a, a, like a, a full remove everyone kind of situation or, or not a hard down asset situation where there's blown out windows and all that stuff. It's like they're, they're fully occupied, yeah. and we're going to go into one unit at a time, and and it's not working on weekends. It's not working overnight, you know, because people are actually living there. You can do stuff during the day, but you have to be very conscious of of your residents that are there and not creating a disaster while doing it. Yeah, so we we,
1: we love the opportunity to take a property that we know that we know how to operate, that we know the market, and reinvest in that property to create a, a lot of value, like Saddle Creek, Kingston, versus going out and buying. Any other property that we don't know as well, paying a premium for that in this market um, when when there's great opportunities that we really already have in our portfolio. Yeah. Um, and that really goes to kind of the next part of it, of kind of the more traditional development, which is let's scrape in and build something new. We've been working on this at, bar, at one of our mobile home parks, Barnes. And uh, we're really going through the rezoning process now. We're meeting with city council, meeting with the residents to really see um, what, what all the asks are before we really start the project. But currently it's 15 t- um, mobile home units that we have the opportunity to basically rezone and fit. We, we can fit up to 44 townhomes on. And um, rental rates on the mobile home units around four to five hundred dollars a month. Where the townhomes, we can achieve closer to two thousand. And um, we, can, I, we for that market, we can develop more effectively than we can go buy new stock.
0: Yeah. So that's it's a good opportunity on on a rede- redevelopment side there, but it obviously it takes a lot of time. I mean, yeah. it's it's occupied. We have long term residents right now. We're gonna. Uh, you know, we're going to operate as we go through the process and the discussion of what we can do and how it can be done. And then we'll have more information and kind of updates each quarter. We're meeting with, you know, we're meeting with city council. We're meeting with zoning to figure out, like, what can actually be done here. If any of you have done that before, it's a, it's a lengthy process. There's, you know, you know, one or two meetings a quarter. So it's not that you just show up and, and you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you knock this stuff out. This is a, uh, a longer-term process we we asked them to probably take us like 14 15 months before we uh get to an, an answer of what we can and can't fully do on the project so that's at Barnes, and then we talk about the station that's mm-hmm. another one where uh, you know we purchased the station in an opportunity zone and it is a commercial asset but it's right in an area that's seen a bunch of redevelopment and new apartments that have been added I mean, we did mention that their apartments kind of being being added everywhere but um it's a good opportunity for us to take an, take an asset and turn it into uh, housing development. Right.
1: And, and when we were buying the station, we were competing against other groups that wanted to rezone it, and the seller just didn't have the time or patience to wait two years for that rezone for to happen. To se- yeah. So we bought it as is and said, listen, we, you know, we're, we're more long-term minded. We can operate as a commercial property, and then looked at the rezone in the
0: future. Yeah. So we're starting that process now and, and again, very similar is talking with the city to see uh, what does their timeline look like. What what would they be willing to to put here? I mean there's you can just look at the zoning and be like, oh, this is zone to put exactly this here. It's like, but it doesn't necessarily work that way. You still have to you don't just start building, you have to talk to the city and figure out what uh what amenities do they want to see and what's best for the for the area and, and you know we have a uh, elementary school within a mile right on the same road, right down the street here. So there's considerations that go into all that, uh, all those kind of things. So we are working on that, uh, with the station. So we'll have more updates around that. It's going to be a pretty cool project, both of them, the barns and the station, uh, as we can get through to that. So, so we're feeling very good on those opportunities. We're feeling good about reinvesting the stuff we have. We're going to assess kind of how the market goes over the next first and second quarter to really dictate what we're going to do, uh, with the assets we own that are not in that redevelopment or or value-add space right now. So, yeah, cool. All right, that is it for the fourth quarter. And again, all of our distributions that are going out are going out on the 20th. Uh, All of the reports will be in your portal on January 20th as well. And that should hit your accounts. What about K-1s? K-1s, taxes, always a good one. Uh, We will have our K-1 reports out by the end of February. That is our... Our goal for this year, we are typically, you know, we're filing in multiple states. So we're, we're getting all of our state filings done. And then we will post those to your investor portal as well. And that'll be the end of February for all the K-1s. So. Excellent. Cool. All right. Thanks for watching. We'll get back to it. For more tips on operating and investing in real estate, please check us out at greenleafmanagement.com or find us on YouTube and Spotify.